Metal Blade Records is dropping two of 2021's most brutal albums of the year this October. Hate, Rugia, and Aeon God ends here. Poland's Hate continues to be one of the world's finest top-shelf black and death metal bands with tracks like Resurgence and guess what? Aeon and Tommy Dahlstrom. Still not a fan of Jesus. Check out the blasphemous video for their title track at metalblade.com slash Aeon. And check out all things hate at metalblade.com slash hate. One more time, guys, this October, make sure you're picking up not one, but two fucking great records. Hates Rugia and Aeon's God ends here. Go to metalblade.com slash hate and metalblade.com slash Aeon. That's A-E-O-N. And make sure you're pre-ordering them today. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petr Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petr Spych. Uh, doing the, this episode solo this week. We're all, uh, we're all out and about in the world right now. It is my wife's birthday. I am in a hotel room, and we are getting ready for the big heavyweight boxing fight out here in Las Vegas. Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 3, which we'll be attending, clearly, because you guys know me out there. Um, and then Brandon's out there watching the uh, football game Chargers and the Browns out in Los Angeles, and we're spread out everywhere. So I wanted to make sure we get this episode out. It's going to be a music episode, but the interview this week, guys, I am lucky enough to talk to Lewis and Henry from Alien Weaponry. We are here to celebrate their new record that is out right now, if you guys haven't checked it out, Tangaroa. Make sure you guys are doing that. They're going to be on tour, as we talked about, with Gojira and Knocked Loose in that interview. But before we jump into the interview, on this music episode, we got an email a couple months back, I want to say. It was a little while ago. So here's the email that we got a little while back. It says, what's up, Metal Sucks? Rise to offend team. I discovered you guys listening to your episode on Phil Anselmo and was pleasantly surprised when I heard Metal Sucks. For people that don't know, we did a documentary discussion episode on our Rise to Offend podcast on Phil Anselmo. It's like six hours long, three episodes. Um, But anyways, continuing on, when I heard Metal Sucks, because I love heavy metal and have discovered some awesome new music from you guys. I can't stop listening to Light the Torch currently. My favorite era of music is Before I Was Born and bands like Slipknot, Deftone, System of a Down, and now Mudvayne are nonstop on my playlist. What are some of your favorite bands like those of that era and you can recommend? Tell everyone thank you, and I just gave you a five-star review for both shows. Cheers, Amy. Amy, thank you so much. So, real quick, from that era, um, obviously you're, you're a lot younger than us. I was in my 20s when this new metal thing was, well, not 20s quite. I was a teenager still when this new metal thing was rising. And uh, the bands you mentioned to me is part of that new metal phrase, which a lot of people I know thinks kind of a bad terminology. But um, when you were growing up in heavy music, it, it, you know there was so many. To every amazing band like System of a Down, there was a band that you're like, eh, like Cold Chamber or something that you kind of shrugged your shoulders at. But there was a lot of amazing music, like you just mentioned, Deftones, Slipknot, System of a Down. All those bands have aged gracefully and amazing. Mudvayne just reunited, also a band that I think a lot of people are going to look at. 
but during that era, there was a lot of bands that I, I remember discovering and uh, getting into that would fall into the category. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just, I went back into my record uh, collection, pulled out some old CDs to see, see if these records still hold up that I figured, or I consider that are kind of new metal, I guess, in a lot of ways, um, and are um, records that I still listen to today that I'm a big fan of. So um, we're going to play five songs for that for you, Amy, so you can check out. So the first band I want to talk about, discuss, and this is probably a record that I listen to a whole lot. It might be my favorite new metal record um, from that era, and that is from a band called One Minute Silence. Okay, The record that I'm talking about I don't think was that popular because it wasn't on a major label. It's called One Lie Fits All. It came out in 2003, and I found this record to be uh, just a perfect record for me when I was growing up, and I still listen to it today. And I don't know if it's nostalgia or what it is, but I think this record, One, One Life Fits All, is one of the best new metal records of that era. So the first track I'm going to play is off of that record. Once again, it came out in 2003, this one. Uh, the track is going to be called Into Our Own. I should walk away and never show my face again Trying to ranch an apathy and down the world and want my friend But I can't be indifferent to a world about to die Stitching stones will break my bones but names will never make me cry So You 
the Metal Sucks Podcast. song you just heard is from a band called bloodlet and that is off their record three humid nights in the cypress tree that song is called learn to fly ascent now bloodlet i think was a hardcore band but they put out a record called the seraphim falls which was so heavenly influenced by corn that there was nothing but this new metal tinge all over that record that record didn't stand with me a lot because i was such a fan of their earlier records um eclectic i believe was the one that really stuck with me but then they followed it up with i think which would end up being their last record and that was uh, three human nights in the cypress tree and i found that they found that groove they were looking for with that hardcore grimy tinge and i find this record to be awesome so if you haven't checked that one out that is bloodlet three human nights in the cypress tree which brings us into our next album 
The next album that I, I decided to play is a is a, it's a one-off album. It's from a band called The Deadlights, and they only put out a one record to my knowledge. It was a self-titled record, and uh, this one was one that I, I got like a promo. You know, like People used to give you CDs for promos. Uh, it was a great time, but just like any promo from a record company, you'd get a bunch of CDs, and you'd only like one, and you'd have like 25 that you own, and you're like, do I throw these away? What do I do? It was a, it was a weird uh, dichotomy of things because uh, you don't want to throw away music but you also don't want to music that you don't want to listen to this was a promo i got that i i couldn't stop listening to and i still think was a fantastic debut record don't know if they did anything else uh, after that but i definitely think if people haven't checked this one out from that era that they should definitely do that and this song is off that record guys the deadlights this one is called pox eclipse
So we're going to play two more songs, guys, after the interview, uh, just to, to give you a couple bands from that area. But before we jump into our interview with Henry and Lewis from Alien Weaponry, guys, Slipknot, one of the most thrilling and visceral musical collectives on the planet, are excited to announce a return to the road for their incendiary 2021 incarnation of the Knotfest Roadshow. Support is coming from three Grammy-nominated heavy music luminaries, Killswitch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. The 28-day run produced by Live Nation already kicked off at Knotfest Iowa and Des Moines in September 25th, and the official first date already happened, guys, in Tinley Park, Illinois. With the tour shaking its way all the way across North America and the United States, wrapping up in Arizona in early November. Do not miss this package, guys. Slipknot, Kill Switch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. If you need more information on Knotfest, including all your ticketing needs, make sure you click through KnotfestRoadshow.com. Once again, guys, check dates and go to KnotfestRoadshow.com. Do not miss this concert. And with that, let's jump into my interview right now with Lewis and Henry from Alien Weaponry. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Lewis and Henry from Alien Weaponry. And we are here to celebrate the new album. Guys, forgive me if I say it wrong. Tangaroa, which is out now, guys. Did I say it correctly? Uh, yeah, you just got to roll the R there, so... um. Do it for me. I mean, depending depending on how good your Spanish is, you might be uh, really good or really bad at doing that. So yeah, Tangaroa. <laughs> tangaroa. I can do that. I, I'm in. I'm in with awesome. that. Yes, there we go. So excellent, dude. Let's let's talk about the new record first. I like to talk about some of the themes on the album. Uh, one of the themes, and I'm going to direct this to you, Lewis, uh, on the uh, album. It is uh, it's it's about environmental awareness. There's a lot of songs and stuff like that. Tell me about. Uh, kind of why you feel like this is a very important thing to talk about, write songs and motivate you about. Well, I guess the thing that kind of sparked me to want to write the song um, was last year I was going out for a surf with my friend and it was just after a pretty rough storm. So the sea was uh, churning up a lot of shit. And um, the, the amount of plastic I saw washed up on the shore was pretty mind-blowing to say the least. Um, and I, I kind of always knew there was a pretty big problem with it, but I didn't quite kind of grasp it until I, I went out and I actually saw it for myself. Um, and that's kind of the thing that sparked me to want to write the song. And I mean, me and Henry um, have kind of always grown up around the ocean, you know, we've always been big into swimming in the sea and stuff like that. Um, and at the end of the day, um, the ocean kind of affects pretty much everything else on the planet and if we um if we destroy it then we pretty much uh kind of in turn start destroying everything else a really fucked day eh? yeah <laughs> absolutely no and that's a great point and I'll, I'll segue over to you henry right now about that is that we are we're in a time frame where a lot of our lives are just right in front of us so we're not paying attention to a lot of outside things um and and it's a very very fast-paced life for all of us i think you know with technology and just how we're living. Do you think, Henry, that we have to stop completely and kind of like reevaluate uh, a lot of things that we're looking at, especially when it comes to nature, to see the damage that we're creating right now? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess some people more than others, but, uh, you know, everyone can do more than what they're currently doing. You know, they're, 
you know, we've got eco-warriors, uh, we've got people who don't even believe in global warming, you know, you've got these two sides of the spectrum and I feel like, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the more people, I guess, have an understanding of how uh, the environment actually affects your everyday life, uh, the more people will actually um, get on board with all of that and I think generally it, it does come from a place of ignorance um, as far as people uh, not caring about the environment and not actually um, making any sort of changes in their life to to be part of the, the kind of worldwide change. That's a great point. And I do think that a lot of it is because, yeah, we're not paying attention. But I always look at the world as like, hey, we all live in one house together. I know that's a hard thing to pick up, but we all do. We all live in one house together. And we only clean the dishes, you know, when they're dirty. But like in the world, that's what I'm saying. A lot of it's just because we're not paying attention. And it's real cool because, uh, you know, when we're talking about the song, Lewis, that we just did, is that um, it's bringing awareness to that. And that's important because you guys do have a voice and stuff like that. Now, growing up in your region of the world and then traveling across the world like you guys have at such a young age, tell me some of the, the things that when you first traveled the world, Lewis, um, touring the band, that you saw things differently from where you were until after that adventure, if I may. Hmm. That's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think touring overseas has kind of opened my mind wide open to kind of how a lot of the other countries work. Um, I feel like in New Zealand we're pretty good with everything, but we're definitely far from perfect. But, I mean, when I go overseas, um, for example, like, I've found that in America there's a lot of uh, packages inside other packages and um, generally the healthy food is much more expensive than the unhealthy food. Mm -hmm. That's just to list kind of one thing I've seen. But at the end of the day, um, every, every country's you know got its own different way of doing things and I feel like there are, there are things in other countries that are not so good and other ones and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. It's a give or take. There's probably some amazing middle ground that we all can not figure out. But um, how much of that, and Henry, I'll, I'll jump over to you real quick. How much of that do you think is on us kind of as consumers, you know, when it comes to some of the bad decisions we're making? That is hurting the environment. That is even hurting us uh, healthy-wise and stuff like that. How much of mm -hmm. that comes towards us? Or do you think that there is a lot of uh, difficulty to beat the marketing that is kind of, you know, in our pockets these days? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's strange because you know, as a band, um, we we do consume a lot of things like electronics and and guitar strings, drum heads, um, you know, all the stuff that goes into what we do as a band um, is is almost contradictory to, um, I guess, this this message that we're we're putting out. But you know, there are there are just tiny things that that we do as a band, like even um, repurposing used drum heads that would probably just end up in a landfill somewhere, you know, actually doing art on them and having them as an art piece that people keep forever, you know, that they don't throw out and they, it doesn't end up back into the, uh, into uh, nature and, and 
and doing that work. So as, as far as like being mindful of that, I mean, um, you know, people do have to have this kind of awareness that everything that they do nearly has some environmental impact. Um, you know, even just buying a new phone. I mean, I know um, I, I bought my new phone and Samsung doesn't include a charger with their new phones. But one of the massive things with that is, well, then you've got to go and buy a charger, which comes in more packaging. It's another plastic bag. It's another. So it's this kind of weird, oh, hey, we're saving the environment. But actually, when you look at it, um, you know, it's possibly creating an even worse problem. Um, you know, so when you, when you actually think about it logically, um, it's, a, it's actually worse. And, um, you know, it's very hard to live your life um, making sure that you, you don't, um, I guess, uh, put an unnecessary strain on the environment like that. I mean, I keep all of the boxes of everything that I ever buy. So, you know, that way it doesn't just get chucked in the landfill. That's a great point you did bring up because you're right. The amount of just checking the mail that goes back to the garbage or the boxes when, when you, you get something from overseas, you're completely right. It's it's super yeah. packaged so it doesn't get a – so my CD doesn't have a crack on it, you know, things like that. So you think about all the protection that we're going into uh, to protect something. And, yeah, dude, it, it does add up for sure. Now, to talk about the music, guys, because, again, this this is – a uh, for me, record-wise, your first record, you guys were uh, teenagers when you wrote it, uh, the first record, two. And uh, now there is a big evolution in your guys' sound and in, in the music you're putting together. Tell me about the growth and uh, kind of how you guys, uh, Lewis, I'll start with you, how you started kind of writing songs for this record and when the recording did start on this album. Um, so we kind of wrote Ahikan Blinded probably two years ago now. Um, and those were the first ones um, off this album that we wrote. Um, and the, the others were kind of written and recorded in like a kind of a six month period, give or take. Um, I definitely feel like this album's a lot more progressive. I feel like we've kind of thought about the structure a little more and definitely kind of thought about how they'd go down live. And that's, probably due to the fact that we've um, been touring overseas for probably close to three years. Three years. Yeah. Um, and ju- just being able to see some, you know, bands that we look up to play live and, you know, what they can do um, and how they interact with the crowd, um, I definitely think that played a huge role in how we approached writing this album. But I also think that... Um, that's kind of helped us grow as people as well. And that's also played another huge role in kind of the direction where we're going with this album. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And Henry, he did, you guys brought up as, as much as you guys have been touring, you guys toured for just major acts like Slayer. You guys share the stage with black label societies and other band. What, is there any lessons that you got while you were on the road with some of these, uh, legends may we say or or what did you kind of pick up just watching them from uh, the same <clears throat> stage that you were uh, performing on i mean i i've got to say like just seeing bands and and how they work and 
the kind of level you've got to be at in order to make things happen, um, especially a scale that big um, where you're doing, you know, arena shows, 15,000 people, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it is, it, it really did show us like the effort we would have to put in in order to make everything work. And I think it, it's been nothing but inspiring um, for all of us, you know, seeing that and then seeing that, um, you know, everyone around us is being inspired by it and everyone wants to make this happen. So, you know, not only us and the band, but also um, our crew and everyone. I mean, um, you know, just just seeing like the work that our LD has put into getting the lighting sorted for this tour um, has been amazing for me. I mean, um, we've got some huge things that we've done um, to really step things up. So in order, <clears throat> I guess, in order to really grow as a band, that really needed to happen. And you can see it musically as well, which is the kind of awesome thing, you know. As we learn more about just the general kind of touring um, stuff and, and what goes into um, making things work and making things happen as a band, we're also progressing musically and, and the way we think about things change changes as well. And you're growing as people. I mean, you guys are very young, you know, and, and that's a thing that's really important that, that we have to add is that you guys are growing as people. You're having some major experiences at a very young age, and that matures you faster, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, one of the things, Lewis, I do want to bring up that I really enjoyed is that is the album artwork's great. Now, I know that was an original concept drawing that you drew, but um, how did the final product come together? And tell me a little bit about the concept that you were drawing when you wanted to make the cover for this record. Yeah, so I drew that um, probably a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and when I first drew it, it was just, you know, me um, drawing. You know, I, I just got a new art book and some new um, kind of colored markers. And I, I just decided to kind of try, try them out. And I, I kind of drew that. And the, um, the, the boys kind of expressed um, their interest in it and... I don't, I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been you saying that would make a sick album cover. Um, and then we kind of worked from there um, and we um, sent it off to Barney who worked on the kind of final concept for our first album cover. Um, he kind of did some work in Photoshop, kind of replicating it somewhat. Um, and then we kind of changed a few things like added an octopus eye instead of just a regular human eye. Um, but yeah, it more or less is kind of a realistic version of what I drew, um, in the original concept. Um, but I think it represents, um, what the album's about really well. You know, it kind of supposed to look like a bunch of eels that have had holes po punched into them. Um, and that kind of represents the kind of the image of Tangaroa, but kind of wounded, image of Tangaroa. Yeah, dude. Now it's, it's a great, it's a striking image. It's a great concept. I do like it, um, a lot. And, and the, the holes I always thought was like, it's evolving in some way with these scars. That's what I saw when I was looking at it. And, um, and I, I just feel like that's a very human element to, to what we're kind of 
talking about and seeing. And now, Henry, buddy, so you guys did recently pl- perform with the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra. Did you play some of these songs live? And tell us about that experience just to be with that kind of group of musicians. Um, yeah, I mean, we did uh, pretty recently play uh, a show with the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra. It was a collaboration show. Um, you know, if you think of S&M, but better. Um, <laughs> S&M 2 or uh, 1? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what, it, it was this huge undertaking. They actually approached us saying, hey, look, we want to do something with you guys. Um, you know, how do you feel about playing with the orchestra? And we were like, hell yeah. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was um, Metallica's S&M stuff. So, um for us, I think it was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. And I mean, um, we didn't really at the time realize how much of an undertaking it would be. Uh, obviously, we've had, um, I guess, experience trying to, I guess, rewrite our songs in a way that works to fit a certain, um, I guess, format. But for us, we're always the ones rewriting those songs. So what they had done is actually taking our songs and chopped and changed a few things. So there was a lot of kind of relearning parts of our songs where they pulled the gats and the, and the bass out or the drums weren't playing. And instead it was all being filled in by the orchestra to create this kind of layered sort of sound, um, which ended up sounding amazing. But uh, for Lewis and I especially, I mean, we've got no formal training as musicians. So, um, you know, if you if you asked us to read sheet music or even, I mean, tabs for me, like drum sheet music, I, I wouldn't know where to start. Um, and it, it was a really kind of interesting process um, working with these people who are like sheet music wizards who can pick up a piece of music and play it almost perfectly first time um, and, and getting that translation between us being self-taught kind of, um, I guess, a little Practically. bit shotgun musicians <laughs> um, and, and, and the, the kind of really high-level um, technical stuff that goes into playing, uh, I guess, classical instruments was, was really interesting. And... Um, I mean, Holly Matheson, who, who conducted it all, she was really good at understanding, I guess, the, the, our way of talking about music and, and kind of describing sections of the song, um, as well as this guy, Jeremy, who was a little more in the background, but he was very much a big part of getting that kind of translation across. Um, and, you know, all coming together, it was like, wow, like that's... It was like nothing we'd ever heard before. Like they'd sent through MIDI recordings of all the files with like MIDI orchestra and the stems from us. And we thought those sounded amazing. And then we actually got to rehearsals and we were like, this is so much better than we could have ever expected. So I think we were really happy with how that turned out. Now, did you guys... I imagine it was very like taking your songs and there was almost a cinematic sound to it. That's amazing. Did you guys document it by chance, uh, record it or we did, but but we didn't plan to, but yeah. So (laughs) 
I, I'm not really going to get into it, okay. but um, legality was we were only allowed to record one show, and that one show, uh, about three hours before the show, Lewis fell off a lime scooter and broke his thumb, so that didn't end up going ahead. <laughs> um, but I, I will say we do actually have recordings um, that we gonna try to get out at some point um but yeah it's it's a whole bunch of getting permission and lawyers and all sorts of stuff like that which is always fun yes absolutely and and here's the thing is that you've done it once um it it went over fantastic with the fan base with with the audience so the chance of you Mm -hmm. guys being able to do it again with some new songs is always always going to be in in the back corner as well and then but uh, and I mean, we still have those um, those original compositions that were made um, for that show. So there's always the possibility of just doing it again and filming the show. Yep, absolutely, man. So that's that's always out there. But uh, fans, you're gonna have to wait on that proper release down the road. But uh, New Zealand, you guys got a great experience, and that's what it's about as a live show. It's about just the connection, one on one us human beings, you guys are going back on the road out here for us North American fans with Gojira and uh, Knocked Loose, man. Tell us about that tour and how excited you guys are to get back and actually, is this going to be your first tour since the uh, pandemic, uh, actual full tour? Yep. yep. Well, I mean, we did like kind of a New Zealand run, but this is going to be the first what I'd yeah. consider to be an actual tour. Mm-hmm. New Zealand tours generally are mini tours. I mean, it was six states and we covered pretty much most of New Zealand. Um, pretty small country here mm. so yeah the uh the touring will be uh the first of you know several years now um and yeah we absolutely cannot wait to get back out because uh, touring's kind of become an addiction for us over the past couple of years dude it's an absolute lifestyle now uh lewis i guess I'll, I'll ask you this one is there any precautions that you guys have to take to make sure you can come over and all that stuff because i know it's different now with like visas and all that stuff for bands to tour is there any roadblocks in your way or are we clear you guys are going to be okay to come out here to north america um i think we're working as hard as we can and at the moment it's looking pretty freaking likely that we'll be able to um, get over there. I mean, we have had hurdles, obviously, with the pandemic, but I, we've we've overcome them. Um, and I mean, we're, when we're actually in the US, we're going to be super careful, and we've got a whole list of precautions we're going to take um, in regards to COVID, because obviously, if one of us um, gets sick, that might jeopardize some things in the tour. But we're not planning on that happening. Awesome. No, no, no. We're all in the audience out here. I'm telling you, they're listening as well. They're taking the precautions. We don't want you to do anything to stop this show from going and reaching all the states. It's a great package. You guys knocked loose Gojira. We want to see the package and we want to share it with all our friends out here in the states. So everybody, make sure you're taking the precautions and doing the right thing. We don't want to miss this show, man. That's for sure. So I do want to come back to the album, guys, one more time. It's out right now, guys. Tengaroa. So make sure you guys, if you haven't picked it up, you pick it up right now. Now, another theme, and I'll go back to you, Henry, for this one, for this, and and this is a very interesting theme. It's about your heritage out there where you guys are from in New Zealand. Now, tell us uh, a little bit about that and and why it motivated you um, to write some of these tracks, because there is a track on here that does use the the native language uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, um, about half the 
album is written in Te Reo Māori, which is um, the first language of New Zealand. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of those songs we are singing about uh, our, our tūpuna or our ancestors uh, is the English word for it. Um, and uh, pretty much, it, it's just even like talking about it is is something that is very um, important to Lewis and I as Māori. You know, it's something that is very. I guess uh, a cultural norm for Māori to share the stories of where they come from and and who they are as people through not only songs but uh, haka as well, which is uh, most people know the the All Blacks, um, and then also sharing um, you know stories of uh, I guess kind of a mythical nature as well. We, we kind of cover that with the song Hatu Patu, which we just released um, a music video for. So um, there is a, a lot of things we're talking about in this album, not only our family history, but also New Zealand history in general. Um, things like uh, colonial government having stolen land from a large majority of Māori here in New Zealand and the injustices uh, of that. So we cover a lot of topics and it's because we're passionate about it and, and that we feel that not enough people know these stories and not enough people are talking about these stories. So we really want to put light to that and just kind of express our, our passion about these things and, and, you know, get everyone in the know and, and open up some avenues for people to talk about stuff like that as well. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And Lewis, uh, tell us a little bit from your perspective as well, because, you know, obviously it's part of your heritage, your culture uh, and all that stuff. And, and you were obviously motivated as well to write a lot of these tracks. So tell us a little bit from your perspective as well on, on the importance of sharing this um, with uh, your audience and the world. I feel like a lot of um, people in New Zealand, um, don't actually know a hell of a lot about Māori history. I think partly due to the fact that in schools you're taught at kind of the bare minimum, you know, we kind of touch on the Treaty of Waitangi briefly and don't really delve into much even on that subject. But, like, I almost feel like in school I learn more about other countries' history than I ever did about New Zealand's history. Um, and I think there's a good reason for that. I think... Uh, a lot of people don't realize kind of some of the shit that happened in the past. Um, and I, I guess the band is kind of a good way to bring light to some of those things um, and maybe make people think of things in a way that maybe they wouldn't have thought of before. If I could just add to that as well, I mean, I, um, you know, uh, there's this kind of huge thing of like, you know, most people don't um, really have this full understanding of, of, what did happen in Aotearoa's history. Um, but um, those of them who do and that are not of Māori descent but are actually um, descendants of the colonisers who came over generally do have a, a kind of a sense of embarrassment and shame over it, um, which kind of stops any sort of conversation from happening because people feel responsible for... Um, for their, um, you know, long-lost relatives' actions. You know, it's like, you know, you can still fix it in this generation. You don't have to just 
keep doing what um, your ancestors were doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think every culture in a lot of ways can relate to that, you know, and that's the thing um, that there is steps that we can take, but it seems like the older you get a lot of times from my from my perspective is that y- your your world becomes more singular focused and almost like a survival thing and you forget about these important things. And then for me, I'm a father now and stuff like that. You want to teach them to your kids as well. And, and then you get caught up in that whole, I don't know how to explain it. You get caught up in that whole, you know, fitting in thing, you know, the God of cool that we all kind of have. Um, and then that gets in the way. I think that, that there's a lot of avenues that, that, but if you, if you can say it out loud, then you know, you can fix it. And that's the thing. Like, I've never been one to complain about things. I just want to have a solution, um, with those things. And that's something like that. And it's all, it's all personalize like that's that's how the world changes and if you guys disagree it's totally fine. the world changes is that i'm a father now my my job is now to teach this person right and that's it and if we all did that across the world and we taught them right and we taught them shame for maybe what our ancestors did this place will slowly become a better place um do you guys kind of believe in that a little bit as well exactly i mean um you know it is it is true here in new zealand and also true um, in many other pl- parts of the world. I mean, um, even even the US, for example. I mean, we have a, a very strong connection uh, with the people, uh, you know, Native American people in uh, mm-hmm. the US, especially the Navajo Nation. Every time we're in Arizona, New Mexico, um, we really do have a. Uh, our Navajo family, you know, they really have been, um, you know, huge supporters of, of what we do and, and where we're coming from as, as Māori from New Zealand because I, I feel like they feel that same um, level of, I guess, you know, generational um, ruining almost um, that has happened in the U.S., in the same way that it happened to Māori in New Zealand. So there's this kind of resonance that we have, um, I guess, with our whānau and the Navajo. And um, whānau means family, by the way. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, for us, I mean, it's it's really amazing to see, you know, there's so many groups of people that can relate with what we're talking about um, and 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 be supportive of that as well so uh, you know it is a i guess it is a time a, a sign sorry of um kind of times changing and and people becoming more open to conversation in that aspect absolutely man and, and it's beautiful because you guys have made uh, art that that stamps that and lets us listen to but it, it's got all the emotions that you know we as humans relate to especially as, as heavy music listeners so it's a great record man it's a great achievement you guys i gotta tell you i'm really lucky to get this interview really happy i got to talk to both you guys i do want to promote the record one more time because i know my time is up right now but everybody if you have not picked up the new record from alien weaponry Tangoreoa. Make sure you're picking that out. It is out right now. Do not miss out, North American fans, on the tour with Gojira and Knocked Loose. Guys, go to alienweaponry.com. Check for tour dates on all your guys' socials. It's on there as well. Um, and with that, I got to tell you, Lewis and Henry, I want to thank you guys so much, man, for giving me the time and giving us a call here on the Metal Sucks podcast. That's all good, man. It was a pleasure. No worries, man. Thanks, Peter. 
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off of the latest record, Tangaroa. Guys, and that song is called Buried Underground. Second song is the title track to the record, guys. If you guys haven't checked out Alien Weaponry or the new album, Tangaroa, make sure you do, guys. Like I said, fantastic record. I've been listening to it all nonstop since it came out in September. But uh, definitely make sure you are picking it up now and looking for tour dates as they will be on the stage with Gojira and Knocked Loose, as we talked about in the interview. So moving on to the last couple songs that we're going to play on this music episode of, I guess, um, new metal bands that I found to be uh, really, really good that never maybe got the same popularity that they should have. This next band that we're going to talk about is a band called Nothing Face. Nothing Face put out a record called Violence in 2000. The track we're going to play for you guys is called Bleeder. Just the way 
Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, and the last song you heard is from a, a band that I feel did get the popularity on uh, quite a, a scale, but I found them always to be a really unique unique style and unique band to that era, and that was Cold. Uh, that track is, is a hit um, for people that remember that era. Just Got Wicked is the name of that track off their record, 13 Ways to Bleed on Stage. And that's, that's it. That's our uh, five, I guess, five underground i don't even know if that's a phrase you can say for the new metal bands but bands from the 20 years ago during that insanely great movement and heavy music um for all of us fans especially when we were younger those are five bands that i think people should definitely check out and they they you know really still stood the test of time according to me so with that there's our music episode amy hopefully you find some new bands i want to thank you so much for writing into us guys always if you feel like you want to write into us we're always down to do music episodes when we can in situations like this when we can't come together. I'm always down to, to give you guys a little something, you know, on with the interview, obviously. So with that, write us anytime. Rise to offend at gmail.com, guys. And uh, as she said in the email, all we're asking for, guys, five star reviews. If you if you got the time, if you appreciate the show, we've done Six episodes in the last three weeks for you fans that don't know. We've really put it out there this week because there's so much we'd really like to promote and do and a lot of bands that we wanted to talk to, and we're lucky enough to do that. So um, we got all those episodes out for you this week, uh, the, this last month, guys. And all we ask for, if you got the time, five-star reviews on the Apple iTunes. Just go over there. We don't need comments. Click the five-star on Apple iTunes. Move on. That's all we ask for as a team. That's all we ask for as a podcast. And we appreciate everybody who supports our other podcasts, Rise to Offend. That is a documentary discussion podcast where we take a figure that may have been offensive in society in some kind of way, and we discuss them as a human, all those things. We use interview clips. A lot of work goes into that show. We've done over 100 episodes um, on a, an array of talk, topics from heavy metal icons like she mentioned, Phil Anselmo, to many uh, movies, uh, political figures, sports figures, movements all that stuff so if you guys haven't make sure you're checking out rise to offend our other podcasts and with that i'll have the team together next week happy birthday to my beautiful best friend of the world my wife and uh let, let's see what happens at this fight tonight so and thank everybody man thank you guys so much for listening supporting everything we'll be back next week the metal sucks podcast is signing off